Welcome to On the Bubble Podcast, episode 29. I'm your host, Sabasa J. Weda, and with me is my co-host, Yuki Lee Bender. Today, we're going to be doing a Outsiders Sealed review. Uh, this is going to be for the pre-release. We haven't played with the set yet as well, but we've been looking at the set quite extensively, and we want to give you our thoughts for exactly for Sealed. Um, this is not going to be... We won't be talking in detail about draft. That's probably going to come out after the set releases. But today, we're going to be looking at how to prepare for your pre-release. But before we go into that, how was your week, Yuki? My week's been pretty good. Spring break just started, so I have some time off. I went to Whistler to go skiing yesterday. It was pretty nice. There was quite a bit of fresh snow. And then on the weekend, I went to uh, the Magic RC that I've been talking about. So again, that's sort of like a, I guess it's sort of like a small calling. I played the constructed format there, uh, standard, and I did pretty good at the end of day one. I was five, one, and two. I think I was like 23rd or 24th at the end of day one, and then I went one, four on day two. But I cashed, and honestly, like I played maybe 20 games of the format, so I can't really complain. <laughs> How has your week been? For myself, I've also, I was also at the RC. I didn't play the main event, I ended up playing just infinite side events. I played five six drafts i played six drafts i played a bunch of uh, last chance qualifiers for the main event and then i conceded every round with the price split like three times in the finals so yeah it was a good weekend for me too like i was playing blue black infect and my best matchup is mono blue and i played against like seven mono blue players gross yeah, I remember um, I went to LCQ, and so basically you can play the day before and play a last chance qualifier, and essentially if you can get to three wins, you get an invite to the to the like the calling, and you can register for it. So technically, it's like invite only, but the invites are pretty easy to come by if you if you really want to and you play events, you 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 should be able to get the invite. I would say if you can win, <laughs> if you can win, yeah. But 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 also like. It's still Magic the Gathering, and your opponent can get unlucky, so I don't know. I, I think if you play enough, you will most likely get the invite. Yes, yes. And a lot of the times when you play these like last chance qualifiers, the people who are in it, some of them already has their invite, and they'll gladly accept like a prize split to, you know, to, to, give you the, to give you the invite, essentially. Yeah, that's how I actually got my invite. I went on the Friday, I LCQ'd in, I played... So I played two rounds i won those rounds and then i prize split with my opponent in the finals so it's like you just need to go 2-0 it's not that hard there's also like qualifiers that i guess they're kind of like pqs except a lot of them are if you top eight you get an invite to the to the calling so it's top eighting is much easier than having to win the event yes very true very true do you want to move on yeah i think we can do that we have a lot to talk about today and honestly i'm pretty excited about this set after looking at it i think it's going to be fun it looks to me at first glance like it might be a little bit lower power level um certainly compared to uprising i think that the decks are just not going to be quite as powerful or able to go above curve quite as easily and i think even compared to something like tails it might be a little bit weaker um what are your kind of like initial thoughts on the set my first impressions after looking at the set is three blocks are going to be hard to come by so i feel like having like when we talked about before we're looking for like 
minimum like 12 points a turn you might be even looking for way less than that in this format maybe even like 10 might be enough in this format to get to be above above rate essentially yeah i think if you can consistently make your cards worth three in this format you're actually probably in a pretty good spot um before we jump into things i do have a couple of quick kind of just stats for you um the first one is that uh, attack reactions there's three cycles of these so there's two in assassin there's the spikes um which are the plus three to stealth cards that cost one and they give either frailty inertia or blood rot pox on hit to the attack um so those are there there's also the zero cost plus three to a stealth attack in assassin and then there's one more that gives it's an assassin ninja uh, action uh, sorry attack reaction that gives plus three to a, a, either a dagger or a card that has base power two or less so there are some attack reacts in this set but it's limited mostly to assassin and Ninja does have the access to the one, but I think it is the the weaker of the bunch. I think the the two assassin specific attack reactions are stronger. I, I feel like this means that uh, obviously, if you're playing the, I guess you want to talk about the defense reactions first before we move on. Yeah. So in terms of D reacts, there's kind of two cycles of D reacts um, of actual D reacts. So there's the ranger ones, um, which is like the pitfall trap, boulder trap, etc. Um, I think that these are pretty solid, just as yellow three block attack reactions. Um, they work as a resource card. You can get a little bit of extra value out of them. And then in assassin ranger, there's also the red trap. So there's the frailty, inertia, and blood rot trap, which will give you the token that's in their name if you meet a certain condition. And again, I think just being a three block that has potential upside is going to be pretty good. Um, there's there's not as many sources of go again in this set, so I think that most classes are going to be wanting to do a little bit of blocking regardless, and so having some red D reacts that can be potentially worth three plus, I think, is pretty good. Yeah, as I was gonna say, the because these there are so many attack reactions in Assassin and Ninja. If you're playing against those classes, you really can't go down health too early or if you go down to like maybe like three or four health that's gonna be within like what i would call just like an unblockable range where you will just lose the game even if you have like three cards in your hand you might just lose if you don't have a defense reaction so i think in this format what will be very important to just know or to note would be make sure you have high enough life total so that when your opponent plays a card and it's basically unblockable you you don't immediately blow up or immediately lose when you could have just blocked out for two more or, or even you know like even if it's a block for one it might be worth it even if it doesn't feel like it's on rate yeah absolutely i think that people are going to be getting got by these attack reactions especially early on um there's just not very many tools to deal with them i guess in addition to the d reacts which are class specific and I think they're all rares. Um, there's also the there's also a couple of generic instants that prevent damage. Um, there's peace of mind, which is wait, is peace of mind the two cost? Yeah, peace of mind is two cost. Yeah, peace of mind is the two cost, and at red it stops the next four attack damage. Uh, it only works from a specific attack though, and you create a ponder token as well. I think this card is 
going to be a little bit awkward to use. It might be okay if you're a ranger and you can get a bow load out of it, but the uh, the two cost to block for is, is pretty expensive. And the ponder token's okay, but again, you need to be kind of a class that doesn't mind having just a random card in your arsenal because you can only... The, the ponder draws you a card at the end of turn, so you have to arsenal that card to get value out of it. And I don't think every deck in this format necessarily wants to arsenal all their cards. Yeah, mostly blues. Like obviously, most of the reds are okay to arsenal, but if there's like a random blue that's gonna be hard to play, um, it's gonna be quite awkward if you need to arsenal that. Yeah, and the the other instant that's sort of like a dereact is brush off. Um, at red, it prevents the next three damage that would be dealt this turn, and it's just a zero cost instant. Um, so this is basically a card that only blocks three. Notably, it does get around Dominate, and it doesn't care, like it doesn't get debuffed by the Spider's Bites from Assassins. So I think that specifically against Assassin and Azalea, this might be a decent card. Maybe even Benji, like Benji has some unblockable damage, and just being able to brush off and block it for three might be pretty okay. Yeah, it's, this one's a little awkward. I feel maybe it might be good, maybe it might be bad. Uh, it'll be hard to tell until we start playing it. But for sure, it is a sideboard option. So when you do open a red one, just make a mental note of it. Um, so when you are going into um, your games, at Hero Reveal, you build your deck or you put together your deck. So just make sure if you have a red brush off and um, when you're up against, uh, you know, Benji, Azalea. I don't even know if you want it against Assassin, but maybe. You know, just have a, just have a note that you have this in your, in, in your, in your sealed pool. Yeah, I, I kind of think it's going to be good against Assassin. They do have some on hits. Um, the Spider's Bites is going to be annoying to block if they're if they're using those Spider's Bites. And um, I think it's okay. Like I don't think this is like an amazing card, but I think it is playable, especially in Sealed. That's fair. Speaking of three blocks, the only three block in this set that is at, at common, at generic, is Come to Fight. So just keep in mind that Come to Fight is going to be a good card in this set because of that. Uh, the red one, uh, so Come to Fight is the uh, generic action that pumps your attack for three at red. And yeah, it blocks for three, so just treat it as like a defense reaction in the set. And I feel like it'll be good. The blue one's going to be good. The red one's going to be good. Yellow one, maybe, depending on if you need yellow pitchers or not, but still blocks for three. The final thing I kind of want to talk about in terms of just like things to be aware of in the set, maybe we'll frame it this way. Jay, which class, how do you think the classes compare in terms of their ability to block? Do you think that they're all equal? Do you think there's certain classes that block better than others? I have some stats about this, but I'm curious about your first impressions. I, I didn't look at any of the stats so far. From my first initial impressions, I feel like Ranger is going to be the most defensive or have the best capability to block followed by Assassins and then Ninja. Um, because Ninja Assassin shares a pool and those cards block for two, I feel like that's going to be, it's going to be in that order, essentially. Yeah, um, you, you're you more or less right. So starting from the top, I guess, Ranger has t 10 cycles of cards that block three. I'm counting like the traps that all come in yellow as one cycle of cards because i think that's how they're going to work but they they basically have 10 cycles of cards that block three and five cycles of cards that block two and an average block value of 2.67 which is the highest in the set 
um, Assassin has 10 three blocks as well, and then eight two blocks. Notably, Assassin's card pool is the biggest with like 18 different cycles of cards compared to 15 for Ranger and Ninja. Um, that's because they have the dual class um, with with both. There's like Assassin Ranger and Assassin Ninja. They have both the dual class. So, so they have a little bit bigger card pool. And their average block value is 2.56, so slightly lower than Ranger, but actually the same number of total three blocks that they have access to. So I think that Assassin and Ranger are going to block similarly, actually. And I think my gut says that Assassin might actually be the better blocking class just because a lot of those Ranger three blocks are arrows. And while they can block with them, like Ranger always has this, like you can't block with all your arrows or you just don't have attacks kind of problem. So I think that even though Ranger has higher block values, Assassin might be a little bit more equipped to... Um... To block out? Yeah. And then finally, I think the most interesting one maybe is Ninja. Ninja has four cycles of cards that block three. Um, this is, again, not counting the, gener the generics at all. And then they have 11 cycles of cards that block two um, and an average block value of 2.27. So I think that Ninja is really not going to block very well at all. And I think that um, like, well, you, well, you could play like a mid-range Katsu that blocked really well and Welcome to Wraith off of Flick Flack and Sink Belows and Unmovables. I don't think you're going to be able to do that here. There's just not enough three blocks. And if you, if you have the pool to do it, you'll know that you have the pool to do it. But I just don't think it's going to be coming together. Even in draft, I think you're going to really have a hard time getting enough three blocks. So I think you're going to have to be playing pretty aggressively as ninjas. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, th these are also including counting rares as well, right? Yeah, this is counting rares as well. So, so yeah, two of the cycles are that blocks for three are in rare. So yeah, so it's even even worse for ninja. Okay, um, you want to move on to generics? Yeah, let's move on to the generic equipment first. Uh, let's talk about the equipments. Uh, first off, let's talk about the seeker cycle. So the seeker cycle is a generic equipment slot. We have a head, chest, arrow. Uh, sorry. Head, chest, arms, and legs, and they all have the same ability. It has instant pay one, you destroy the uh, equipment, and it will prevent the next one damage that will be dealt to you, and then you opt one. How do you think this is going to play out? I think they're not great, um, but they do stop breakpoints. They do also um, work against attack reacts, and I think that they definitely get better in multiples. Like If you can pitch a blue and use three of these to block, it's more efficient or if you're maybe if you're a ranger and you can um, use barbed castaway as an instant to load an arrow to make sure you're using all your resources they get a little bit better but i think in general these are not super strong um ranger is probably the best home especially azalea you can because you have the barbed castaway as an outlet you can use opt one to get a little bit of extra value and everything but i think overall these seekers are like you'll play them if you have them but they're not i think they're decently weaker than even like the quelling equipment and in, in uprising yeah i think i agree it's i have a feeling that you either maybe want three or maybe none right like it's, it's gonna be super awkward to use this yeah it's just um really hard to ever translate this into val like into a point of value uh, the one spot where it is good, um, this might even just be like a sideboard thing. You do want this against exactly Riptide. You might just want one against Riptide where if you have the floating resource and they play a D-React, when they do the one damage, you can do this on your own turn. 
which will probably be like honestly the best spot to use it when it's your own turn and you can actually re use your resources. Yeah, that's a great point. I could see this being much better against Riptide. Okay. Next, we have Threadbare Tunic. This is a chest generic um, and has an ability instant, destroy it, gain a resource, activate only if you have no cards in hand. I think that this is okay. Um, you can translate this into either uh, a dagger attack, like maybe a Kadachi, or maybe like a second spider's bite at the end of a chain, although that, that seems harder to pull off because um, I don't know how you're getting... A lot of the assassin stuff doesn't have go again, so I don't know how you're playing attack and then getting an extra resource. Yeah, to... I think the only play pattern is like you pitch a blue spider's bite, activate tunic, spider's bite, play the zero cost from arsenal yeah yeah it's it's definitely not great there yeah I think, it's, it's a little bit mid yeah in, in ranger it might help you like if you're playing mostly reds it might help you play a one cost arrow after you've already loaded it so i think that's decent but i think it's a lot weaker than like sasha sandakai from the last set or deep blue from tails so I think it's a, this is a good card that you always want to play it because if you're in Ninja, it'll always translate to one damage somewhere in the game or it'll translate to an actual arrow firing in, in the Ranger class or even if it does tr somewhere translate into a Spider's Bite, it's going to be worth it. So you always will play this card uh, if you have it. But uh, just letting you know, it's going to be difficult and just make sure that you are in a deck that can't play it. Yeah, and I think because it's hard to translate into value, I guess outside of potentially Ninja, you should be looking for spots where you can do it. And as soon as you can, I would just snap it off. Like you're not going to get some huge play out of this card. I think you just want to try and get your one point and then be pretty happy with that. All right, let's just move on. Next card will be uh, Fist Cuffs. Fist Cuffs? Fisticuffs? I think it's Fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. This is uh, a arms piece. It's uh, just... Reads attack reaction, pay two, destroy it. Target attack action gets plus one. I think that two for one damage is really expensive, but there are a lot of on hits in this set. So if you're making good on hits connect, I think it could be pretty good. Like um, in particular, if you, if this makes, if they exactly block something with a blood rot box and you can give it plus one and then they get a blood rot box, that's kind of like two resources for three damage, which is... Um, at that point, it's pretty good. So I think you want to be looking for on hits to pair with this, but um, but outside of that, it's sort of pretty marginal. Next card will be Fleetfoot Sandals. It's the leg piece. Uh, just says you attack reaction, destroy it, and a target attack with one or less base power gets go again. How is this card good? I don't think it's great. I guess you can give your blue stealth attacks go again, but it seems fairly mediocre like i think you'll play it as, as a free slot um probably has the most text in benji or one of the assassins but i don't think it's great yeah i'm just thinking like i thought most of benji's attacks will already have go again yeah a lot of them do he has some finishers that come in for like one or two at blue or yellow but i don't really think we'll, we'll talk about all the classes a little bit but i don't think that's really where you want to be so so yeah, mm. this card's like pretty marginal, I think. Then last card is the Silken Gi. This card's really interesting. This is the most interesting card of the of the generic uh, equipment slot. So this one reads instant destroy Silken Gi. The next attack action card you play this turn has minus one power and costs one less to play. Yeah, so 
right away this can reduce attacks to make it unblockable with Benji, which is sort of interesting. Um, but you won't be getting the cost reduction out of that, so you are just kind of giving yourself like minus one. Um, which is not great unless the damage is going to be lethal or like maybe it's like turn turn zero and you're just chipping them for a bunch of damage that they can't block. That seems pretty good. But um, I think that even though this isn't going value, like you're trading a point of power for a point of resource, it's probably still going to be okay because if it enables you, if it enables you to play a card that you couldn't have played otherwise, I still think that's going to be worth it. The card works really well with spring load. Yeah. Yeah, Spring Load is just a one-cost uh, generic attack action card. Or just, actually, honestly, you know, any one-cost attack action, I guess it will work okay with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can just come in and just have like a 0 for 4 with Spring Load. Seems okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think all this is to say that the class equipment is much stronger than the generic equipments and you'll play them you'll play the generics if you have them but i think that you're almost always going to be wanting to play the class equipment if you have the option to do so uh before we move on do you think these generic equipment is like in past sets like in wtr or arc actually not arc um monarch we had the generic equipment that was basically just a block and there were pretty high picks, honestly. Like, you would pick up almost all the Iron Rods pretty quickly because they're played in everything and they just always generated a value. Do you think these equipments are going to be like that where you just want to pick up early if you're in a draft? I think for the most part, I'm going to be picking these up a little bit later. I'm kind of hoping to be running class equipment over this. Notably, the class equipment doesn't seem to be available like there's not really like chest pieces per se, so I think that the chest pieces will be decent picks. Um, and I think fisticuffs is okay if you know that you're assassin or or ranger with like the the ailments on hit. But in general, I don't want to be spending high picks on these. I don't think I'd be hoping to get them pretty late. That's fair. Okay, let's um move on to the actual classes now. Yeah, so I think for our format here, we're gonna kind of go class by class and then talk a little bit about like what cards to look out for. Um, give you a basic idea of some of the play style or like common lines we think that those heroes will have and it, maybe mention anything if there's things that we think might look good but ultimately be a bit of a trap we'll we'll point those out too uh, keep in mind that we haven't actually played the set so this is very much our first impressions and especially i think it's easier for us to imagine how like katsu or azalea plays because we've already played with those heroes and a little bit harder when we get to like Riptide, and honestly, even Benji, because Benji wasn't in a limited set. Do you want to start us off? Sure. So first off, we'll cover Ninja. I think that Ninja, as we mentioned, is going to be very aggressive because they have very few access to three blocks. Um, I think in your sealed pool, if you're playing Ninja, you really want probably like seven blue zero costs at a minimum because you want to be able to turn on those Kodachis. Um, the they, they require a zero cost in pitch to get go again. And uh, you really want those to be blues. You can sometimes get away with like, maybe you can get away with like six, six blues that cost zero and like a couple that cost one or two and like a couple of yellows. Like maybe you can do that, but you really want to be pretty close to that seven, seven blue zero cost or it's just not going to be a good time for you. I think another thing would be if you are having to play uh, yellow ninja cards, just make sure that these are zero cost, so they turn into Kodachis uh, pretty efficiently. Yeah, turning your yellow into like two Kodachis is 
quite good because it's it's very hard to block that damage efficiently. So, and I think the final thing to look for is just the equipment. It's honestly all pretty powerful. So in the equipment slots for Ninja, there's um, first off Mask of Many Faces, which is a blade break one, and you can spend one as an instant to destroy it. And then the, the next card that you play gains the name of your choice. Um, this will help you cheat on combo lines. I think this is going to be very good in both Katsu and Benji, maybe even more important in Benji because it will let you make use of some of those combo lines that I don't think you're going to be able to use very easily otherwise. And that can be pretty big value i think you can do some big things with this card yeah i have nothing else to say about this it's just i think you want it even even just having a blade break one all of these equipments are pretty pretty gross because of that next up we have mask of shifting perspectives this is an assassin ninja head it also has blade break one and has an attack reaction where you destroy it and the next or sorry whenever a dagger hits this turn you may put a card from your hand onto the bottom of your deck if you do draw a card so basically it gives your daggers on hit the sink below effect i think this is pretty strong too the hand fixing is really good i think a ninja mask of many faces is probably gonna be better so long as you have combo lines to capitalize off of but I would play Mask of Shifting Perspectives if I didn't have one. Yeah, I think honestly, Blade Rake One is is better in with these kinds of than than this actual effect. But I think just the option of having both is what makes this card really good. Yeah, I, I think that you will be blocking with this a decent amount of the time. But I could see, I could see if you're like in a spot where your opponent blocks out and you have like those, like sometimes you have like those kind of dead hands that don't really do much and you can't leverage your four card hand well. I think in those spots, if you can pop. Like maybe as all blues, you can pop Mask of Shifting Perspectives to just kind of cycle and try to find something better. I think could be uh, could be pretty big value. Yeah, that is true. Also, it'll be interesting if you have the other equipments that can opt or something like that too. That might make uh, some interesting play lines there. Oh, yeah, that's true. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, because you can still activate the uh, other equipment by spending a resource. You don't have to actually prevent a damage. Yeah, that's very cool. Finally, we have Blade Cuff. This is also this is an arm and the assassin ninja and it blocks for one with blade break and it has an action cost to destroy it and your daggers get plus one this turn um this is going to be really good in assassin sorry in ninja i think because with the kadachis it's just like extra two damage um it's going to be mostly in like two blue hands where it is good but i think that you're going to draw those and just being able to get extra value is pretty good, and if not, you can just block it with one, block it for one. As you said, like same thing with the uh, mask of shifting perspectives. When you do draw like a blue heavy hand, this card's gonna be really good, and to convert bad hands into like fairly decent ones is pretty. It's it's exactly where you want to be. And and I think like Assassin's gonna be pretty happy to play this too, but it's a little bit harder to get the value out of it just because. Um, like the spider's bites already cost two, and I guess I guess you can activate this into two spider's bites for six resources total off of two blues, but then you're not getting to play any like cards that you want to pitch, which I, it's okay. Like I don't know how well it fits into the curve though. It it just seems easier to use in um, in ninja, I guess. Yeah, I think it is more powerful in ninja, but still an option for assassins. Okay, um, let's move into the heroes. So. Katsu, I think, is going to be go-wide, focused on combo. Um, you're going to use your Kodachis to create chain links and try to push a lot of breakpoints. I think that cards you want to be looking for are combo lines and especially starters. When you're laying out your sealed pool, I might 
lay out like here's like my surging line here's my head jab line here's my twin twisters line and like see how that lines up and because you can tutor for the combo cards using the katsu ability so long as you have zero costs um i think that having the starters is always kind of the most important piece and ideally you're going to focus on like maybe two-ish combo lines and i think if you have like redundancy in those combo lines that's probably a good sign you have a good katsu pool and i think in particular the surging combo line with uh descendant guffs wave and bonds of ancestry is just far and away the strongest um the strongest combo line yeah that's the combo line you're really looking for you just want like multiple surging strike multiple descendant gust waves and hopefully you open the bonds of ancestry as your rare yeah it really depends on yours it's if it's if you're playing sealed it's uh it's really dependent on if you can open them together or not and if you don't it's mostly descendant gust wave and bonds of ancestry is quite awkward to play without without the combo so yeah so you'll want that redundancy um i do think you can also build katsu just to be like phi where you're playing head jabs and leg tops um there's like a decent density of head jabs and leg tops in this set so i think that is also going to be kind of an option in a way that you could could build him and might be I wouldn't be surprised if in sealed Katsu doing that is just pretty good. Cause like, it's like a similar setup to, um, to uprising where you have like head jab and be like water as head jabs at common. So you have two common head jabs and you also have hurl, um, which is a rare head jab that when you play it, you can pay one and, um, destroy a dagger and that dagger deals one. So like, you're not going to want to do it at the start of the game, but maybe sometimes it's worth four points and it's, it's upside. So it's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any upside is good upside. Yeah. Just like it can close out a game and, or push, push them to have to block. I, I think it's decent, but, but yeah, I think because like set is set up with like leg taps and head jobs like that, you're gonna, and you have like redundant copies. I th- think it might be pretty consistent kind of like five. Yeah, I'll, let's move on to Benji real quick first because I do want to compare those two. It'll be a little bit easier to talk about Ninja in general if we can compare. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. So I think an important question is if you're playing Benji, I think you want to be asking yourself why you're playing Benji instead of Katsu. The biggest thing here is... Benji starts with 17 life, whereas Katsu starts at 20. And because you're not blocking, you're really going to be forced into racing with Benji. So I think that there are ways to get value, but you just want to be thinking about... Um, like, I think Katsu is going to be like the more universal choice. And then maybe if you have the right pool, Benji might line up. Um, what are your thoughts on Benji? I actually think Benji would probably be your default in sealed, at least. Hmm. Um, Katsu is a combo line deck where if you have the combos it's going to be much more powerful to do the combo lines but in sealed you're just not guaranteed to get all the combo lines so even if you're just doing like exactly what you were saying earlier with just like the head jabs I feel like Benji is better at doing that because of his second line of text that says the first time an attack action you control hits the next one gets plus one so it's going to be in this format, if you just have zero for three, like head jabs, it's going to be difficult to block out with one card. Um, and if something leaks through, then your next card gets plus one, even your 
uh, Kodachi. And it's going to get more and more difficult to block out um, as the game goes on. Even if it's like a 0 for 3, they have so many go-agains. And if you don't actually have very consistent combo lines or not that many combo cards that go well together, if you're playing just generic go-again cards, I feel like Benji might be the one you want to do. Or, like, it's going to be the easier one to... To, to have a deck that's more consistent than having Katsu where he might just have a blank hero text, but he does get three more health. Yeah. I guess it's like a matter of how long the average game goes in Outsiders because like the first times you the first the first three times you trigger Benji is kind of just like evening out with Katsu. And then after anything after that is like bonus value. So I think if the games are going fairly long, then it will be good. I'm not sure if it will be, though, if you're starting at 17 life and you're a deck full of two blocks. I think the games might go pretty fast. But I don't know which heroes can actually kill you in three turns in this format. Yeah. Like, if you are Maybe. gonna... Let's say, like, you have one three block in hand as Benji. Um, you're going... It's You're gonna live three turns. Like, it's... Uh, Assassin's gonna... True. Assassin's gonna have a hard time doing 17 damage in two turns. Like, it's just... They're, they're going to have some troubles converting their whole hand into damage. And I think so is Ranger. Ranger's going to have a hard time just doing more than, let's say, 10 damage if you give them a full hand. So, Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. Um, I do think that Benji is going to be worse in like the Ninja Mirror, probably. But but yeah, maybe into Assassin and Ranger. You're, you're right. I could see the games going long enough for you to get value out of it. It'll be interesting to see which one's which one's stronger. I think you're really going to want a lot of natural go again. I think you're wanting to build this deck like a Fi. You're not going to rely on the combo much. Although if you do have like, like I think uh, be like water is going to be an important way to get sometimes get the combo effects and also the mask of many faces. I think if you have like multiple of those and you have a lot of redundant pieces, you might be able to sneak in like a few combo cards, but I don't think it's the main thing that you're going to be doing. I think you're just going to be pushing like good efficient attacks. So your head jabs, your leg taps. I think if you are playing combo line, twin twisters and head jab look like the intended combo lines for Benji. Twin Twisters can either just come in as a leg tap to trigger Benji, or if you have like a yellow Twin Twisters, it can come in for two, and then your next attack action gets plus one if it hits. Um, and that combos nicely with the back heel kick that comes in. This is just a zero cost, three power, three block that has combo, and it says that if Twin Twisters was the last attack on the combat chain, um, it gives any any power gains are instead that much plus one so if you have like a yellow twin twisters into back heel kick the twin twisters will deal two the back heel kick will get two from benji two from twin uh, twin twisters and come in for seven so that'll be like a you can also kadachi so that'll be like a three card 11 which is pretty powerful honestly three card 11 is very powerful in this format and and i think that like katsu is really not gonna want this combo line because he's not as good at adding power to it as Benji is. Yeah, and honestly, back heel kick sweet because like, even if you have like an attack reaction or I guess there's only one attack reaction that you can play with Ninja. You can play it with that too, and it gets plus one from that one as well. So the more buffs you can give this one card after the combo line, the better this gets. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think also worth noting that like even the blue is pretty good because if you do that same line and you come in with the blue for five, like if your blue's coming, if your blue's a lava burst, that's that's pretty big game. <laughs> <laughs> that is really big game. I think the head jab line is also more of a Benji thing. They're very short. It's just head jab into a finisher that doesn't have go again. There's two of them. Um, they both attack for three, block for three, cost zero. Recoil says um, if it combos, then the defending and it hits the defending hero puts a card from their hand on top of their deck, which is really strong. I think blue is going to be the best color for this because if Benji's like notably if Benji hits and you're playing yellow recoil, it actually busts the power to three and then it's not unblockable and they'll probably just block it for three. Um, so I think you either want blue or you want the red one because the red one becomes a breakpoint of four if they let the first attack hit. Hmm. Honestly, the yellow one is fine too if the first one doesn't hit and then yellow is unblockable as well. It's fine, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like you just want to play all of them anyways. It's just uh, the red and the blue are better. Yeah, I'd be careful about how many of these you're putting in your deck because they don't have go again naturally or at all actually. But um, But yeah, I think you can play a few for sure. Ah, blocks for three. It's fine. And the other follow-up is just one-two punch, and if it combos with head jab, it has on-hit deal two damage. So again, um, like if the blue is one and it gets plus one from Benji, it's two unblockable and then does plus two damage. Your blue's coming in for four unblockable, which is, again, a pretty big game. Yeah, Benji just has a lot of unblockable damage. Absolutely. So I think Benji's going to be pretty solid, and I think that the biggest thing is... I don't think you want to be playing too many of these two costs. Like you can be, or the two power attacks, like you can play a little of it. But I think that honestly, if you're just being on rate, playing like threes and fours and getting plus one out of Benji, that's like probably where you're going to want to be most of the time. And then maybe on like turn zero, you can chip them. Or if you have, you know, it's like sealed, you have some, uh, you don't get to pick what you, what you open and you just have some like incidental unblockable damage. But I don't think it's like the, I think there is a trap where if you're like playing all two cost attacks, your your deck's not going to be good. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, just just uh, this is flesh and blood is still about a game of of being on rate, and if you're just being on rate, it doesn't matter what your hero does, like your cards will be 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 good. And when you get incidental advantages from your hero power, great. This isn't gonna be like constructed where. You want Benji to be this like broken hero that just like you can't block any of my cards and I do like 20 damage. I feel like you want to be doing things very consistently and be like, oh, incidentally, this card can't be blocked or incidentally, this card gets plus one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like looking for like the other thing that really kind of just cements this is like those combo cards with on hits. If you have the red ones, they just get pushed to a breakpoint of four. And honestly, if your opponent's blocking two cards on your one card, you're really happy too. It's like it's still very good. So in a lot of ways, like I think you're just gonna want to play the red ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wanna start moving on to Ranger, or do you have other things to talk about? Yeah, let, let's just say really quickly. I think that short and sharp and deadly duo are well. They look like Benji cards, are, and you can play them. I don't think that they're as good as they look. Short and sharp's the assassin ninja attack reaction that costs one and gives a dagger plus three or an attack action card with cost 
uh, sorry, with power two or base power two or less plus three. I think this is just okay. Uh, it's pretty, it's not really on rate. It needs a target. Um, you, you do have your dagger as a target, which is like fine, but it's just like a one for three go again. It's, it's, it's fine, but it's not amazing. Um, and I think deadly duo, it's, this is the uh, one for three go again. And it says, um, if this hits the next attack action card with two or less base attacks, this combat chain gains plus two. Um, I think that this card is like okay and you can play it, but I think it is less good than it looks because if you don't have the if you don't have the two power, you just this is just a one for three go again. And even if you do have the two power, it's like you're playing a below rate card and then you're just kind of making it like on rate, if that makes sense. Like if like let's say you play this into a head jab and it's a red and it hits, which is like not even counting that they can just block it for three. Like this is effectively doing five damage and the head jab is doing two damage. So you're doing like two cards for seven. But if they were just like if it was just leg tap head jab, they already do seven. So this is just like a leg tap that has to hit to get its value. And I don't think it's I don't think it's very It's not that good. It's not that good. Like it, yeah. it looks like a Benji card and it's just it's okay. You can play it, but it's not amazing. Honestly, probably maybe even like a constructed thing that uh that a limited good card. Yeah, I think I agree. Okay, let's uh move on. Uh, we are gonna we're already getting quite long. Yeah. Okay, so next class, let's talk about Ranger. I guess Rangers is your what's it called? Not your baby, but <laughs> yeah, I think that works. Um, yeah, I do enjoy Ranger. I think Ranger looks pretty good in this set, honestly. In limited. You don't have Death Dealer, so I think a lot of what you're doing is going to be on rate. And I think that I kind of wonder if Assassin's going to be able to fatigue you if they have a lot of three blocks, especially in draft. But I think in sealed, Ranger is going to be pretty real. And I think in particular, like Azalea is going to be pretty hard to block out. Yeah, it's just a. Oh, and another note um, both Azalea and Riptide has. Uh has quiver at the token slot so you always get the quiver with them yeah that's right you always have the the quiver and they both play barbed castaway so yeah so maybe we can jump right into things uh, in terms of equipment i think all the equipment again is pretty good wayfinder's crest is just a blade break block one and when you defend with it you can see the top card of target hero's deck so it has synergy with azalea's hero ability which is pretty nice and it's just iron rot helmet Mask of Malicious Manifestations is an Assassin Ranger headpiece. It has Blade Break 1 as well, and it has an action cost 1 resource. Put a card from your hand or arsenal onto the bottom of your deck, destroy it, and reveal cards from the top of your deck into, until you reveal an attack action card. Put it into your hand and then shuffle. Go again. I think this ability is really strong. Just being able to turn, like if you have like a bad blue in arsenal, your arsenal's clogged, and being able to turn that into another card into specifically an attack is really good you can so this cost one resource turns your arsenal into a card in hand yeah specifically an attack action card okay 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 that makes sense that makes sense sorry i was trying to conceptualize what this card does it's not really on rate though is it it's like you you turn your arsenal into a card in hand but it does cost one resource yeah, so you're not getting value out of this, but I think that the hand fixing is good. And I think if you ever get to like, I'm thinking like, I don't know, like maybe 
maybe you get like a ponder token and you're arsenaling like you're playing riptide and you arsenal like some blue arrow that's not very good and you don't really want to be playing out you can just spend a resource and turn it into like a fraction of a card which i think is pretty good i don't know i don't know maybe if i think if it's me i'm just going to use this as a one block more often than not i i think i agree that it's like mostly going to be used as a one block i just think that especially in limited ranger can sometimes have this problem of your arsenal getting clogged and just being able or like not having attacks and just being having your one block equipment also just potentially get you out of that situation where you like where your turn just bricks is uh is pretty good yeah that is true yeah let's uh move on to the next card toxic tips this card reads action pay one destroy it next attack action card you play gains when this hero hits create a one of the uh three ailments yeah one of the three ailments yeah yeah i think so and it also has blade break for one yeah card's really good especially in azalea where you can give stuff dominate yeah (laughs) i think you're gonna make blood rot most of the time right yeah i think so there's i i the one time you probably make like a frailty token or something against ninja is like when you need it when you're at low life and you can turn off their kodachis but most of the time you just want to do two damage to your opponent and i think in general for all the ailments the blood rots are the best frailties actually probably the second best because it's relevant against ninjas and relevant against the rangers and and the and actually also the assassins the spider bites probably the worst against assassin but even yeah still like it makes their turn awkward yeah and then inertia is i think honestly more of a constructed thing like it just tells people to play out their arsenal and maybe because of the lack of go again that's going to be good but i'm not super convinced yeah i feel like when you know it's going to be good it, it will be good but yeah a lot of the times, I think just doing two damage is the safest thing because you just don't know what's in your opponent's hand and you don't know... Like, I guess if you can look at your opponent's hand and then see like, oh, I can force them to play out their hand in a very awkward way, it'll be good. But then that's not the case. You you don't get to look at your opponent's hand. You don't know exactly how their hand is structured. So you're always going to be in a spot where you make this token and then they just naturally play out their whole hand. And then you get no value, which is the worst case scenario. So before we go on to Azalea, I think just one thing to keep in mind is that if you're playing Rangers, you do need to close out the game. And to do that, you're going to need arrows and you need to have enough of them to just be able to threaten damage. Um, I guess you do have like some attacks like Death Touch and Virulent Touch. So if you have like other attack actions, maybe you can get away with it a little bit. But I think in general, you're going to want like 13 arrows-ish. Um, at least and like of those mostly red and yellow if if you're playing like five red arrows and like the rest are blue i just don't think you're going to be able to close games so if you're looking at your ranger pool just look at your arrow count first and i think that if you just don't have the arrow count you're not going to be able to play the class similarly to how like if you don't have the zero cost blues for ninja you're not going to want to be playing ninja yeah those are all good numbers to know uh, let's just move on right into the hero. Actually, before we move on to the hero, uh, Bard Cast Away. It is an instant. Uh, so if you do go second, just make sure that you you just make sure you remember that you can pay one resource and put a car put an arrow from your hand face up into your arsenal and then draw up as well. You also can flip the attack face down. Uh, an arrow that's face down face up and get an encounter on it um and i think most of the cards that care about encounters in this set are plus one power so that's like decently strong um if you can just like 
spend an extra resource to get an extra power when it works out, it's it's pretty okay. Okay, so for Azalea, I think she's really going to be doing kind of what she's been known for, which is just go tall with dominate um, sometimes. It is harder to get dominate in draft because you don't necessarily have access to information on top of your deck. But uh, there are a few ways to do that, and you're going to want to look for those ways. So in particular, I think Spire Sniping is quite good. It's the arrow that um, when it goes into your arsenal or is flipped face up, you can look at the top two cards and rearrange them in any order. This isn't opt, so you can't put it on the bottom. But you do get a look at two cards and make an informed choice about whether or not you want to be using Azalea's hero ability. Other cards that give you information is Ravenous Rapple. You just get to see the top card, which lets you know if you want Azalea into it or not. And it's also just a red go again that helps you empty your hand, so it's quite good. And then there's also a there's also a pump, Scout the Periphery. It's a zero cost. Look at the top card of Target Hero's deck. The next action card you play from Arsenal this turn gains plus three and has go again and block two. Um, I think that card is also going to be kind of premium in Azalea, just so that you can dominate a little more consistently. Other than that, I think all the laces and all the arrows that give ailments are really good. Uh, Widowmaker, well, it's a very weak constructed card because equipment turns it turns off. Like if they block with equipment, it doesn't get the the plus three. Like it's a, it, it, it's a one for four that gets plus three if it's defended by fewer than two cards, but it counts equipment towards it. So in constructed, this is pretty terrible, but in draft, I think it's okay. There's not that much equipment that actually blocks. Yeah, and they're all class equipments uh, with Blade Break. Yeah. Oh, actually, so... let me... Yeah, okay. I just double-checked if any of the uh, generic equipment has a zero block or not. Uh, all the generic equipments in the set does not have a block value, so you cannot just randomly put them into the... Uh, into the... Um, what's it called? The blocking zone... Yeah, the it the card has to have a printed block value, even if that block value is zero, in order for you to be able to block with it at all. So I think Widowmaker is going to be pretty good in in Ranger just in general. So yeah, that's Azalea. I think you're going to want like eight pumps, good red arrows, and just go tall dominate. I think you want to be thinking about whether or not you want blues in your deck. The more access to the top of your deck you have, or the more that, like if your deck is all cards you can play from Arsenal, then you can, like either, by that I mean either arrows or cards with go again, so you can clear it and load an arrow. Then you can just kind of like always end on an Arsenal and blind Azalea every turn for free relatively like a so long again like a like defense reactions are going to screw this up so you your deck has to be built in a way to do it but but basically like you can only really use a blue if you load an arrow azalea get a one cost arrow and put an aim counter on it and i think that some decks are going to want to do that but most azalea decks are just going to be red and yellow so you really want to be thinking about like do you actually need blues in your deck and i think more often than not the answer is going to be no yeah there's not that much cards that benefit off aim counters right it's just like plus one power most of the time yeah it's mostly plus one there's there's quite a few like a lot of the arrows do get plus one power from it so i think it is okay but but yeah i think you're mostly going to want to be red and yellows unless you really have like payoffs and information about the top of your deck yeah, that's fair. Just also you can just think of it as like a modal um these all these arrows are modal cards when they come off the top. 
because you don't have to pay the one, but if you do, it gets a plus one kind of thing. So it is honestly just like a good option. Maybe before we move on to Riptide, I think cards you're going to want to avoid is I don't think you want too many traps in your decks. Um, the yellow one is okay because you can pitch it. The red ones are less good, um, but you can probably like maybe sideboard them in when they're relevant. Um, but you can kind of clog up your deck if you have too many D-Reacts. And then the other card you're not going to want, I think, is Secretizen. This is a reprint, and it's a 4 for 0. And as an additional cost, you can put a card from your hand on top of your deck. And if you do, it gets go again. Yes, this works with Azalea and can give something with Dominate. The thing is, is that you're spending an entire card to give your arrow Dominate. And that's just not usually worth it. Like it's a play that you can make, but it's very below rate, and I don't think it's where you want to be. Even though it looks like an Azalea thing to be doing, so I think you don't want this card in your deck ideally. Like the red one's okay, but it's not a great card. I have a feeling Seek Horizon fits better in Ninja, where they just want a zero for four than a than in Ranger, where you want to you don't want to pay the additional cost to play this card. Yeah, it's really expensive and. Unless it's winning you the game, it's uh, or or I guess it's like turn zero. It's um, it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to Riptide. Riptide is the new hero of the set. Uh, we'll explain it very very quickly. Riptide is the it's a nineteen health hero, and uh, whenever you play a card from hand, you put a card from your hand face down into your arsenal, and then whenever you play a trap, uh, your opponent takes one damage. I think Riptide is also going to be able to function almost entirely off of reds. If you have red go agains you're going to be able to load arrows without even without even activating your barbed castaway. And then even if you want to get the aim counter and it's a one-cost arrow, that's still only two resources. So I don't think you're really ever going to need blues in Riptide. And I think you can either build more control with three blocks and just play like efficient one to three card hands. Um, I think you can also just go like kind of a red line, all go again attack kind of deck. And I think that that's going to work okay as well in riptide i think either one is okay is riptide one of those decks where you probably want just generic attacks that you can play from hand or do you think it wants to be like arrow focused i think you probably want the arrows because the arrows are just good cards like if you load like let's say that you like i think what you can do is ravenous like ravenous rabble put a infecting shot into your arsenal, flip up the infecting shot off a yellow and then fire it for six. And that's just like a really solid turn. Um, so I think you can just play these like three card tens and two card sixes with an on hit and chip people with traps. Like I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's the best home for um, death touch and virulent touch, which are the assassin... Um, assassin and ranger cards that can be played only from arsenal it's just really easy to reload these with riptide and if you're like yeah rapple into death touch it's really strong turn Mm -hmm. well but also just that also means you do need some generics in your deck so i guess you need like a column a column b type of this deck yeah in in my mind i kind of think that riptide is gonna be like dromai um, I think you want a bunch of red go agains so that you can empty your hand and leverage the reload. I think you're going to want your deck to be almost entirely red. And I think that's how you're going to overcome fatigue because unlike Azalea, you don't have, you don't really have dominate. 
So you get some chip damage from some of your traps. And then other than that, like you need a way to close out the game. And I think the way you might do that is just by having a deck full of reds and like presenting these like arrows and death touches that come in for six and demand two cards and just sort of go that way and and take advantage of rangers three blocks between the arrows and the um and the traps so i think you're just going to have like all your cards worth three and that will even though you don't have a weapon i think you might outvalue them maybe (laughs) yeah i'm a little worried about riptide as well uh specifically in sealed as as like He's not going to be very good at converting converting multiple arrow hands either, right? If you can't activate his first ability to by playing a card in hand, your turn your turn you would you just need to block, right? Like there's no other way you can um to make your turn function. Yeah, I think you really want the red go agains and and so I think like Dromai I kind of suspect Riptide is going to be hard to come together. I think a good Riptide deck will probably be good, but I think you're going to want a lot of reds and a bunch of go-aguns and a bunch of block threes and traps. So it's like very specific. And I think that, honestly, even in draft, I think it might be one of the hardest decks to come together. Yeah, I think I might agree with that. Um, so yeah, if you can build it together in sealed, I'll be... I want to take a look at what, what a sealed Riptide deck would look like. Because I can't really conceptualize what a good sealed Riptide deck will look like. Yeah, I think it's just going to be strong reds, go agains, traps. But that's not going to be your average pool. It's, it's going to be hard to open all of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Riptide, before we move on? I think that you're, as Ranger, you're going to be Azalea majority of the time. Because like most of the pumps and arrows are also good. Like They're good in both heroes. And... I think unless you just like have a whole bunch of traps and like red go agains, like you, you like you need a reason to be Riptide. You really need the right pool, and I think Azalea is just going to be like a little more flexible. So I think you should be defaulting to Azalea most of the time, um, but you can definitely try out Riptide if you have a pool that looks conducive to it. I just I kind of worry about getting fatigued by particularly Assassin. They have a whole bunch of three blocks. They actually have a weapon. You you don't you don't have a way to go above. Like three cards per turn, like all of you, like your arrows attack for like five or six with off of two cards, and your pumps give plus three. So like, if they have all three blocks, they might just fatigue you and trip you out with weapons. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is. It's it's like the the ranger the the ranger problem of not having a weapon. It was prevalent in arc, and honestly, sometimes uh, it during um hero reveal, you look at. You look at Azalea and Arc, and you're like, "Give me one second. Let me look at all of my pool. Oh wait, if I just added like eight more three blocks and take out all of my two blocks, no matter how good they are, I don't know if I can lose this game anymore." Yeah, Ranger does have to worry about fatigue. And is there a um like a arrow that goes back to the deck in this set? I don't think so. Let me check very quickly here. I feel like I would have noticed if there was. Yeah, doesn't look like there's any attacks that go back into the deck. So I feel like probably my default when I go into this set will be to try and deck out Azalea and Reptide and then go from there. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think Azalea does have some tools just because of the dominate and you have some card selection, like some ability to manipulate your deck either through pitch stacking or like looking at the top cards. So I think, I think Azalea is going to be the harder deck to fatigue for sure, especially without access to good D-reacts. But I think that Riptide is like potentially pretty vulnerable to it um, if you have a deck full of three blocks and weapons. So yeah, I'm going to hope, I'm gonna hope I open three piece of mines and then... Uh... You know, rest in peace, Azalea. Okay, um, are we good to move on? Yeah, I think so. Let's go to Assassin. Okay, so Assassin, we have two heroes. We have Arachne and Azuri. Uh, these are both... This is the only class with two brand new heroes we haven't played with. Unlike Ninja and Ranger, I feel like Azuri and Arachne plays significantly dif- differently from each other. And they both want very different cards. So I want to start talking about Arachne first. So Arachne is a 19 health hero that just reads, your first attack action with stealth each turn has go again. Um, to I'm just going to get straight to the point. I don't think Arachne is as good as Azuri in exactly sealed. But how Arachne functions... You just want the zero cost for three, that's a stealth card. And you want as many as you can get your hands on. So if it was like a draft, I feel like this hero is going to be very insane as you can just always convert zero for threes into six points of damage and then block for six every turn to basically create 12 points of value every turn. But in sealed, if you don't have like a high density of zero for threes, you probably want, you probably need at least 12 in your deck for it to be decent, Um, like zero for three stealth. The blue and the yellows are not good in this deck. It's it's very hard to convert yellow stealth cards in this in this deck into actual, how would I say it, into actual value? Yeah. To points? I think so. They're just really easy to block. Like, it's just kind of like how, like, you can play them, but I think that because, because only the first, like, it's not like Phi where you can just keep going again. Um, only the first attack with stealth gets go again. So if you're just going like yellow for two, yellow for two, like, it's, it's pretty mopey. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite bad. Even with an on hit, it's quite bad. Yeah. That's all Arachne does. And unlike ninjas, where they can turn like a yellow into two Kodachis, a yellow turns into a, a single spider's bite, which only does one damage. And it does have an on hit, but from my experience playing like constructed Arachne, the on hit on spider's bite is less relevant than people think. It is good when it's very, it is good when it becomes relevant, but it is, it is less good than what people think. I was going to say, I think that you want to have some i think one cost cards are going to be really good in arachne because they they just make a nice cost curve with um with a you can go like spider's bite zero for three go again and then play like a one cost like a death touch is probably the best one you can even play the the generic where it's a two power but if your hands empty it gets plus three so it's like a one for five um i think you can play that as well yeah spring load is good yeah I think that's like the main way you want to be using the daggers. And um, when you can do that, I think it'll be strong. But I agree that that might be more more common in draft, easier to accomplish in draft. Yeah, Arachne is one of those um, 
It's like a column. It's really funny. As Arachne is one of is is a deck where you probably want all of A, um, and Azuri is a type of deck that wants column A, column B, and in sealed, I feel like both is gonna be somewhat difficult to do. Uh, and when you have the pool to do it, so when you have like a when you open a bunch of like probably like eight or nine um, zero cost three power stealth cards, you want to be an Arachne. And uh, I'll go into Azuri next. Um, so Azuri's a twenty health hero, which she gets one more health, and she has a attack reaction where she gets to turn a stealth card into uh, any attack in your hand that costs two or less. I feel like Azuri is a column A plus column B type of card, where column A is going to be any and all stealth cards, and column B is going to be a two-cost, what's it called? A two-cost attack action card. Yeah, I think I agree with that. For Azuri to function, you do need the two-costs. We do have a lot of like zero-cost stealth cards in the set, but you need to have red two-cost attacks uh, for Urzuri's hero ability to be good and to be relevant. And if you don't have the two cost, it becomes like Arachne where now you don't... Like Arachne needed the zero cost for threes, Azuri needs the two cost for sixes. And if you don't have these cards, your deck's gonna be very underwhelming. Like attacking once for three on your turn is not gonna do anything. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think the the other card that's going to fit and play really nicely in, I think, actually both Uzuri and Arachne is um, the Spikes because they are that one cost and in particular like spike with spike with Blood Rot is really, really good. But I think that just like having this mind game of I have this extra card in hand and they're expecting it to be like Maybe like you, Azuri, in an attack, but you can actually just arsenal a spike instead. Or in the case of Arachne, um, you have like your stealth card with go again, and maybe they like put a three block in front of it, or maybe they're expecting the next card. But if you just spike it, and especially if it's like a blood rot, that's like a one for five, and it's really, really good value. I think frailty is going to be very high value as well. Um, so I think any of the spikes, like especially if you can combine them with the on hits from the stealth attacks, is going to be pretty uh like your your other way like if you don't have the the one cost attacks for arachne or the two cost attacks for azuri i think the spikes can be a way to kind of supplement it yeah but even then like just the spikes are as you said they're just one for fives that like, has a condition to play them so or that's that's only spike with blood rod actually the spike with inertia is just a one for three it's just not on rate like um it's a conditional one for three is not really where you want to be in flesh and blood really depends on how how good your on hit is but yeah i i think i think in my head that i think these are decent just because it is hard to go above rate and it's like yeah it's a one for three but it it works with like if because you can also swing your spiders bite this is essentially like you're pitching like a blue in this to do like four plus push on hits which i think is okay like it's not it's not great, but I think that because it is hard to go above rate in this set, I think it's gonna be good enough. Yeah. I think that's what you have to do in this set, but I, I'm still a little worried that that this isn't gonna get you over the top of like Benji. You know, Benji's all of his attacks gonna be like a zero for three go again. 
N, and then it gets plus one if you can't block him out. Um, and all of their cards are just going to be a little bit more efficient than you are, and doing damage and and like making cards awkward to block. Um, and I feel like Assassin's best strength here would be like it has a weapon and all their attacks block for three or almost all their cards block for three so like it's easier to get to a point where you can fatigue ranger out currently i don't know how you beat katsu or benji i'm actually not too sure i think that you should i think that if you have a good density of three blocks you're probably okay the fact that a lot of your stuff has on hits and the like the ninjas really don't block very well, I th- think that you're going to kind of just be able to play like that slow attrition style where you can like do a combination of blocking for three and just efficient attacks. And I think it's going to be, I, I don't know how strong it is, but I definitely think that that is like the play style that you're aiming for. And I think it might line up because I think a lot of what Benji's doing is like head jabs. I don't know. It's just that I I am hoping that Assassin will be playable in in sealed. But from what I can see, I feel like this might be the weakest of the three classes, uh, at least for sealed. Um, in draft, I think it's a a completely different story, where Assassins is one of those decks where you can put together like five or six uh, two costs um red attacks and a bunch of three block stealth cards in Azuri, or in Arachne, you can just, like, pick up all the zero cost for three stealth cards and have, like, 15 uh, zero for threes um, that blocks for three as well, which is just, like, a very powerful thing you can do in draft, but in sealed, where you're gonna be limited to the number of exactly the cards, exactly the type of cards you need, you're gonna have this very awkward deck of, like, I need to play yellow infects, I need to play yellow isolates, you know, where yeah, not all the stealth cards have on hits, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Like, playing Red Sedate is not good. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that um, maybe stronger in draft. So, anything else you want to talk about Assassin before we kind of give final thoughts on the format? Yeah, so one last thing I want to talk about is the Nurse Scalpel, Orbital Class, and Scale Peeler. These are all mythic daggers from uh, four Assassins. These cards are cool for constructed. Um, I don't know if they're playable in limited. Spider's Bite is going to be the best one because everyone has to play attack actions. The other three, they're going to be so situational, you probably just want two Spider's Bite, even if you open it. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that um, especially because almost all the three blocks are attack actions. Yes. then like people are going to be wanting to defend to defend with their attack reactions i think like other key cards that assassin does have that are just going to be generically good are like our hurl the head jab that you can sack a dagger to deal one or bleed out is also okay as the two for four go again and it costs x less resources where x is the number is the total damage that you've dealt with with daggers as combat chain um maybe a little bit better in ninja but i think still okay in assassin like you can pitch a blue come in for one come in for four and then play a zero cost or something yeah yeah i think these are you know hurl and bleed out they're both rares it's going to be hard to get multiple but they're good cards okay so final thoughts on the format for sealed what do you think do you think it's 
I know that you mentioned you don't think Assassin's going to come together that much between maybe between Ranger and Ninja. Do you think they're both going to be about equal? One's going to be more common than the other. What do you think is going to be strong in Sealed? In Sealed, I just think I want to be Ninja. Um, that's my take, at least for if I were to like wanting to play to win, um, I'll be playing Ninja for pre-release. I'm actually only signed up for one pre-release so far. Um, every all the other ones sold out before I got the chance to sign up for it. Yeah, but I think I want to try Assassin. I am. I've been. I've been liking the Assassin class and how it plays and constructed a lot, and it's probably my favorite class so far. So I'm definitely gonna try Assassins. Yeah, uh, but I think as a if I were to like help a new player out, I'll be like just slam Ninja, go again cards together, and you know make your opponent have it. Yeah, I I think I kind of agree with that. I think that the head jabs and like just it's the set is really a lot like Outsiders where you have multiple like you definitely have multiple head jabs, the same density of them. And even the leg taps, like you have twin twisters and you have like a bunch of these one for threes with like some on hits that can translate to a point of value. Um, and I think that just doing that, especially... The, the one for threes are, are going to be better in Benji, but I, I think just doing that is going to be like pretty consistent and pretty good. Maybe like the biggest difference compared to Phi is I think you can play more leg taps because like if you miss the Kadachis only cost one and they're so good at filling in damage that like if you have if you have two leg taps and you only Kadachi once, like it, it doesn't really matter if that was a head jab or a leg tap because either way it's presenting four damage. It's just one of them is an attack for four and the other one's an attack for three and then a Kadachi. So I think you can play like a few more of these uh, like taps in your deck. Yeah, the biggest difference between Phi is Phi had Ember Blade, which was cost two, but Kodachi that cost one is is much easier to fit into your curve at any point in the game. Yeah, I, I, I think all the classes are going to be pretty good and I think a lot of it is going to come down to kind of what your pool supports because you kind of need like specific things for every class to work. And I think the sealed pools are going to be maybe a little bit on the weak side. But yeah, I think for me as well, like Ninja is going to be most consistent than probably Azalea. And then I think Assassin and Assassins are probably next. And like Riptide is probably the hardest to come together, I think. Yeah, I feel like for Riptide, you need a lot of a lot of damage in your deck. And it's just hard to open that many reds. You're going to end up with a pool of like... On average, a third red, a third yellow, a third blue. And I feel like the best heroes that can really take advantage of that might be might be Ninja. I agree with all of that. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our episode. I hope this helps you for your sealed pre-release. Let us know in the comments down below if we missed anything or just let us know how your sealed pre-releases go. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, certain cards that impressed you, play patterns that you like, classes that you like, um, any of that would be awesome to hear about. Um, I'm pretty excited to be going to a couple sealed pre-releases, although I am also only, I'm signed up for two of them. Um, so uh, a little bit limited in how many pre-releases you can sign up for. Did all the other ones sell out? Yeah, all the other ones sold out. Man, it's 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 so rough that all of them sold out. At least uh, at least here in Vancouver, it's honestly it's this game is pretty popular here now. Yeah, I kind of hope I kind of hope that we just go to like more of a magic pre-release system where rather than like so tightly allocating pre-releases, we can just like I wish Thor's could just run multiple pre-releases. 
and that way you don't have this problem like it's just really awkward that like people want to play and there's only 16 slots in the kit um and that's like all the pre-release that you can have i wish that like stores could just have like more product and just run multiple pre-releases and if people want to play a bunch of them they get to play a bunch of them i I don't really see the reason to like oh to cap it essentially yeah to like essentially cap it to like 16 per kit and then the store has to order multiple but they might not want to because they don't know how much turnout they're gonna get like it's just it's just a little bit weird not even just that like some of the stores just can't get multiple of them yeah exactly whereas i think if you just had like I don't know. Just like make the kit come with like some extra product and then it can be like extra pricing or something if nothing else. Yeah, that is true. Or you can support more players. Or like the Pokemon Pokemon and Magic style where they just like the pre-release kit is just the six packs and and like a promo in it instead of like first place getting a promo kind of thing. Because I'm okay with like not having a super special promo for for the pre-release. Honestly, I think that would be fine too. Or even if they just want to give like just every pre-release kit comes with like your your two tokens, like which is what they're doing anyways, like just make it into kits. I, I think I think that just like finding a way so that if people want to play a bunch of pre-releases, they can is I think it's only positive. I don't I don't see any downside to it. So I, I hope that's something that they look at for for the next set in seven for months. For the next set. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I was just looking at the the pre-release kit. It comes with uh, two coal foil Azuris. It does. Yeah, I think that will be for probably like winner and raffle is my yeah. guess. I don't know. I think it's one for the winner, one for raffle. Yeah. Or maybe they're both raffled. I don't know. One of the two. Depends on, I guess, the store. Oh, no. I think one says one for the winner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Um let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Yuki Lee Bender or J at Ueda J also on Twitter. You can also email us directly at onthebobble at gmail.com. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening and good luck. Have fun at your pre-release. I hope that you open some nice cold foils or some sweet cards that you're excited about. Mm-hmm.